Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastical with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes, memories, experiences, and they get to collect their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. This is episode number 62. In the last episode, episode 61, I had on Andy Anderson, and what a man. I really enjoyed that one. He has seen some amazing gigs. He was so passionate uh, about all his acts, especially his headliner, who he's seen 79 times, which was phenomenal. Jeez. So amazing. And he put in a film cast as well on the Fantastical. Of course, of course he did. Of course, of course he did. Yeah, so a great Fantastical. So thank you to Andy for being a part of the Fantastical podcast. So it's time now to introduce my guest on the 62nd episode of this podcast. And this week, I've got another one of my HMV family comrades joining me. A top guy, excellent photographer, keen music fan. It's Mr. Nick Allen. Hello. Hi, Steve. How's it going? Very well. Nick, thank you for coming in to the HMV headquarters on your week off as well to record this. Yeah, I'd make time for this any day of the week, Steve. <laughs> so I always like to check in with guests to start off with just finding out how they've been. It's been a very difficult last year and a half. So how have you been, Nick? How have you found it? It's been interesting. I've moved twice now in, in between the two lockdowns. I, I was initially living in Wood Green and then I met my girlfriend in the middle of lockdown and now living in Camden with a cat so you know it's been a wild 18 months really uh, <laughs> but yeah work wise it's uh, it's picked up again so it feels like some kind of normality um, just yeah it's normal sort of I just can't wait for gigs to come back full flow and then you know you can rack up 3-4 gigs a week again like I used to and yeah just go back to normal so you were pretty active with gigs right pre-lockdown and I had this kind of plan for a bit later but you used to take official photographs for some gigs yeah I um, shoot in and it's amateur but I don't get paid for it but I go to a lot of gigs and shoot bands uh, I, I shoot for a website called Roxins uh, I've done a couple of things for Rock Sound as well uh, I've been published a couple of times in magazines yeah it's just something I do in my spare time and yeah hopefully one day I can get paid for it <laughs> Fingers which crossed all, which is always the dream yeah. have there been any bands who have been easier to shoot than others, or have you had any kind of hostility from any bands whilst performing? I've had a few legs kicked at me from the stage when they don't want a camera right on the stage. Uh, but it's usually the crowd. You usually get people shouting at you from behind because they, you know, they've got down to the front and they right. want to see their band. But yeah, I've getting covered in beer. It's pretty. It's really cool. Like it's just, it's weird being because I only started doing it about two or three years ago. It's a weird experience being at the front of the stage in front of security mm. and you are inches away from your favourite band at the moment sort of thing I've shot a lot of Australian bands that seems to be my ilk at the moment <laughs> I've had uh, I don't know if you've heard of The Chats from Australia they're a punk band they've made waves over here um, they've they've sold out Kentish Town Forum two nights in a row so 4,000 people and their crowd was absolutely insane as soon as you came on there was beer coming over oh. the works yeah it was just it was, it's just an experience like a real experience yeah, and shooting at Brixton Academy is my favourite. I've done a lot for I've shot Killswitch Engage there. Wow. The one I had lined up, or I had Green Day lined up for the Hella Mega Tour this year, and then that got poo-pooed because of COVID. Mm. So hopefully I can get that again for the following year. Um, hopefully it's Slam Dunk next month because there's some real big acts that I love to see, like Alkaline Trio, No Effects, uh, Frank Turner's there, so I can shoot all them. Yeah. 
Wow, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I look forward to seeing and fingers crossed that that kind of happens. So spoke about a bit about lockdown, found a girlfriend, got a cat. What's your cat called? Um, he's called Frank, after Frank Turner. Right. But uh, uh, I'd like to clarify that I didn't name him that. That was my girlfriend's choice. I didn't force her. Like, she, I got her into Frank Turner. She's really into him now. And um, yeah, I, had, I wasn't going to say no to calling the cat Frank. But yeah, he's now Frank Frank Allen. Brilliant. Shout out to Frank Allen. And I'll shout out to Mittens Nussbaum, my cat as well, <laughs> who uh, is probably well aware of my tone. So you've got a girlfriend in lockdown, got a cat. Tell us a bit more about Nick Allen in. So, keen photographer, loves gigs, live, yeah. currently living in Camden. Yeah, I'm just a massive music nerd. Any bit of music I can get my hands on, I will. Vinyl collection, which is it's ever growing, ever expensive. Uh, you know, trying to find their white whales and, you know, real special ones out there. But yeah, it, it, it mainly my life revolves around music. I don't necessarily work in music, I work on the visual side of HMV, but. Yeah, music is everything I do. Listen to music, watch music documentaries. So is there a particular genre of music that you're into or you have you got a broad horizon? Like what does it what does it for you? I think it'd probably be easy to say I'm into the nineties because I do I really do like punk music, but I'm also a very big fan of grunge as well. So anything nineties, the like Alice and Chain, Smashing Pumpkins, I love No Effects, Bad Religion. Uh, social distortion, all them sort of like eighties, nineties acts. I really love some great acts mentioned there, and not many have met have featured in the Fantastical. So maybe today is the day they do. So I always like to ask people the question of what they're currently listening to. So as we record uh, today, yesterday was the twenty fifth anniversary of Oasis at Nebworth. Yes. So yesterday I spent all day whilst working, what I had <laughs> listening to my old Oasis catalogue. And really enjoying it, yeah. and that's taking me back. And this morning, uh, a catfish in the bottom one playlist uh, ended up on my Spotify, oh, really? which was great that I hadn't heard uh, in about a year, which I really enjoyed. So that's what I've been listening to. Nick, what what are you listening to at the moment? Well, catfish in the bottom is one act I really want to see live. Like they, you see videos from their gig, and they're absolutely mental. Like that it's mental. I saw them at Yulu, uh, which was really small for them, about a year and no, about almost two years ago, yeah. as part of an absolute radio. Tour, oh, yeah, like competition, yeah. uh, but managed to get tickets. It was tiny, and the crowd were just insane. That was the first gig that I've been to where I felt old, where I thought <laughs> I'm not having any of this, I'm not getting involved. But they were an awesome live band. Yeah, like you don't realize how big they are. Like they are arena level. Mm. I'd say the, you know the modern equivalent of an Oasis, like indie act at that level sort of thing. But yeah, the moment I'm listening to just a mixture. Uh, I know I've mentioned Gangs of Youth. Yes. Yeah. I know they've been they've been mentioned a few couple of times on the podcast. I yeah, think. Yaz I mean Erich uh, mentioned she was listening to the latest album and I st- still haven't checked it out but I'm meaning to. So yeah. Good yeah, there. The, their EP came out I think last week. It's only digital at the moment and then hopefully they'll get an album released mm. the year. I've been listening to a band called The Menzingers uh, on their album Hello Exile, which I've picked up on final this weekend, uh, after my little rummage back in Birmingham. <laughs> Yeah, so the Menzingers, they're, I was trying to how to describe, they're just, they're, they're, they're classed as a punk band because they're signed to Epitaph, mm. which is Bad Religion's Brett Gurritz label, but I would say they're more melodic than a punk band, they've got like, you know, melodies and it's jangly guitars, but yeah. it's, it's the punk vocals, the Hello Exile is a great album if you want to check that out, that's a real must in modern music, 
Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Mammoth, the Wolfgang Van Halen. Yes, you mentioned this to me last yeah. week. Yeah, I don't know how I stumbled across it. I think I was just on a YouTube spiral, and it came, they're opening for Guns N' Roses in America at the moment, and some person just uploaded a really naff phone video, but the tunes are big, like really big, and I put them on Spotify, and it just, it, it's basically exactly the same, like as what he's singing live, playing live to what he is on the record. And he's got a really good band behind him. He's got uh, Frank Sidoris, who's with Slash. Right, uh, okay. Slash is guitarist, but they do what they're called, Slash and... Oh, that's the... Uh, Conspirators. Yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah. Uh, the other guitarist there, Frank Sidoris, is it. And he's got Grant Whitlock on drums. Garrett Whitlock, sorry, on drums, which is... Um, he's with Tremonti, do you know the guy from Alter Bridge? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's very much a mismatch of, like... It's very American rock, but it's really good tunes, like... And he's got a couple of songs that are, you know, dedicated to his dad. Like there's one called Mr. Ed. Right. And it it opens with like some tapping riffs and stuff like that. Like very <laughs> homage to Eddie. And it's, yeah, it's a really good record. And I, I can't believe it's gone under my radar this long because it was out in February. And like, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. I look forward to hearing that. Sounds right up my street. So Nick, you're a bit uh, younger than me. When I say a bit, I think you're 13 years younger than me. So let me take you back. <laughs> <laughs> To when you bought your first record or your first single. Do you remember that experience and what that was? Yes. I recently commented on this recently because we're obviously celebrating our 100th year. It's just, you know, it was a very full circle moment realising that, you know, I've worked at this company nearly 10 years and I can still remember the first time I went as a little boy wow. to buy my record. And it's not that long ago in hindsight, it's 2003. So, but it was The Darkness, Permission to Land. I remember my nan purchased me that on CD. Uh, from HMV4, which I'm sure Rupert would appreciate the... Rupert Banning Lover, yeah. Yeah, he'll appreciate the little <laughs> shout-out for the thought. But, uh, yeah, I remember buying that, and that album still holds up for me. I bought it on vinyl recently, and, yeah, it's just... I know they take the mickey out of that band quite a lot, but they, they really just, just sound... If you take it for what it is, just cheesy rock, it's brilliant. Like, it's just real guitar band, real guitar solos. And, and they hold up live as well. Uh, and then when I was mentioned about the 100th anniversary I did one of my first ever HMV paycheck so what I bought on vinyl with my first ever paycheck and that was Jeff Buckley's Grace which I'd just, I'd just seen the album around uh, you know you see it on the shelves and mm. you've heard things they know it's a mist- some mystical album and I purchased, purchased it and it was yeah everything I wanted done more it was incredible just yeah that's it some really great, yeah. mate that's some great albums I remember when that album that Darkness album came out working on HFB Walthamstow but yeah great act and they were picked for a fan festival uh, I think back in episode 8 and I remember listening to the two tracks that Rob Myers selected who picked them and thinking I haven't heard these songs in a long time and it wasn't I Believe in a thing called no, Love it was like Love is a feeling Love, love is only a feeling is a really good tune growing on me and I thought yeah. these two songs still Black hold Shark up. and stuff like that it's like there's some real I think it's just people get put off by the single uh, I've thing all of it, which in turn is a really good song it's just yes, great it's just song. cheesy isn't it like when you compare but the whole album is just a really good rock record like. yeah really strong and Jeff Buckley's Grace gets mentioned a lot in this podcast although he's only ever been picked once for a fantasy festival so we'll see if today brings his second appearance so before we come on to your fantasy festival let's talk about normal festival yeah are you a big festival goer do you enjoy them yeah, I do. Um, I, I, before I came on this podcast, I was doing my, my research because, you know, 
I just had to get it out of my head onto a bit of paper. So I was, ever since you mentioned it to me last week, I've just been collecting lists in my head. So I've got, I've got this, I've got, you know, Manorak. I kept all my gig tickets, so they're all in a folder. I was just flicking through and just looking at like, oh, I did that and did that. And I was like, mm. I completely forgot about. But one of them was Oasis, their last ever gig in the UK, well, ever, was at V-Fest. Yes. And I was, I was at that gig and I didn't realise the enormity of that gig until I was like, I saw one of the best British bands, their last ever gig. And yeah, as a 16 year old kid, that was amazing. Like, and at that gig also, I was in the tent, which I'm, this was very stupid of me in hindsight, is I missed the killers headlining to go and see Pete Doherty in the smaller tent. But it was an absolute riot. Like, it, it turned into a riot. There was like, uh, the, the crowd would fight the security. They were trying to pull up the wire from the stage. <laughs> All because he kicked off into some Libertine songs and they went absolutely yeah. berserk. Like, it was incredible. I can imagine. I can imagine. So, is that the highlight of your of your festival experiences? Have been any other acts who you've seen at festivals or any other festivals that you've been at that have kind of shadowed the others or outperformed the others? Oh, that's definitely... I think that's a formative memory of a gig is that Oasis one. Like, I can still remember... It, it was my first ever festival experience. Because me and my mates went when we were like 15, 16. And the travelling to the gig on the first night, we went to bed by 10 o'clock. Like, we were done. Like, we were knackered. Like, just putting our tent up and everything. Festival was Tom Petty at Hyde Park. Oh, brilliant. It was it's kind of a festival. It's like a very big line yeah. and they've got two stages. That was, again, his last ever UK gig. Went off to Bad Omen, me going to see a band. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was incredible. Stevie Nicks came on and sang a tr- couple of tracks with them as well. Actually, support him. Uh, Metallica at Leeds Fest was incredible. That's probably one of the loudest bands mm. I've ever seen. And I got one of the beach balls because I don't know if you've ever seen them live. They fire out a load of beach balls at the end, and I was like, Kung Fu gripped it like all the way home. <laughs> like, and then I met my mate at the end, and we couldn't get into her car, so I literally had to like bounce up and down on this beach ball to deflate to get into the back of the car. And yeah, don't know where that is now, but like. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's a great story. And what about standard gigs then? Do you have any standard gigs that you look back on as a highlight? That Queens of the Stone Age really stands out at the NIA in Birmingham. It, it, it was just an insane gig. Like The crowd was so into it. But the one that stands out the most is Foo Fighters in Scotland. Now, I don't know if the Scottish are just, you know, fueled by Iron Brew. But <laughs> that, that audience was insane. I've never experienced anything like it. They they came on, and this was when he was in his chair, because um, he broke his foot, because I mm. meant to see them originally at Wembley Stadium, which they had, I think, Iggy Pop supporting, and Royal Blood was there. But they all got rearranged, and then the only UK gig was Scotland, at Murrayfield, so me and my brother took a little trip there, and it was just insane. Like, I, I, I was about four rows from the front, and just went forwards, backwards, and then went about 30 rows behind me, I tried to retrieve my little brother from the crowd. <laughs> he was like, oh, my chest really hurts. I was like, that's just the base. Yeah, I think I'm having a heart attack. I was like, you're not having a heart attack, you're fine. Like, <laughs> and it was like, you're 16, come on. Like, man up a little bit here. Like, he was like, my heart feels weird. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was one of the, yeah, that stood out as a real big moment. And then me and my brother were both singing along to uh, Everlong and Best of You right down the back. So... Yeah, it just a real that was a real another formative yeah. memory. It's maybe not one of the best gigs in terms of quality, but it just you know memories from it. I remember that a lot. 
Brilliant, brilliant. Free Fighters is a great band. One who I've seen a few times, but never been like that close to it or that. You know. I, yeah, I, my little brother hates going to gigs with me because I'm. I used to be one of them people that queue stupidly early and try and meet the bands, pester them for you know stage hands for a set list or a plectrum or a drumstick at the end, which I'm. I'm not better now. I feel like at the age of twenty eight, I feel I could be a bit more mature to go to a gig and just. <laughs> Stand at the back and watch them instead of like. No, at 28, there's no age. You can still get down the front, get involved. Absolutely no, no issues there. So, as I said at the top of the podcast, this is all about getting Nick to collect his fantasy festival. So Nick gets to choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full and an encore, which all five acts can perform together at the end of your fantastical, which can be any song by any artist ever. So it's very simple. Five acts take five time slots so I mentioned Andy Anderson in the top of the podcast he was in the last Fantastical podcast he collated his 1972 to 82 show Fantastical and he had his take place at Main Road the old home of Manchester City in his opening slot he had XTC in his super second slot he had Magazine in his Midway Madness slot he had the original film cast of West Side Story <laughs> performing all the songs from that in his pre-headline slot he selected the most selected artist so far on the podcast which was David Bowie his ninth oh. fantastical appearance and for his headlining slot Andy had the one and only Elvis Costello and had him perform his Imperial Bedroom album in full and a great hit set for his encore that I did not see coming he selected Never Forget by Take That because he loves the song so it's very simple it's very easy he's a, a mystery that man well, that's, that is it, complete <laughs> both ends of the spectrum it really was but a great a great episode uh, and Andy was such a fantastic guest to have so before we start talking about your fantasy festival, I always like to get a few predictions. So I spoke to our mutual friend, John Rowley. Oh, okay. He's given me five acts that I won't reveal now. I'll reveal after okay. we go through uh, your lineup, and we'll see how many he gets right. But before we start talking about acts, we've got to give your fantasy festival a name. Okay. And we've got to give it a venue. So Nick, what are you going to call your fantasy festival? I'm going with Brixton Pauling. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Nixton or Brixton? Brixton. Oh. No, Nixton's very good. I thought you called it Nixton. Right, Brixton calling. What? Well, if you want Br- Nixton calling, we'll go with that. that... Mate, it's, <laughs> it's your fantasy festival, so we can call it whatever you want. Let's say Brixton calling, and then if you want to call it Nixton calling, we can do that. So why why Brixton calling? Uh, well, the venue... Or... It's all the title, really. Like, the venue I picked and the best gigs I've ever attended have generally been at Brixton Academy. There's something about them, high grounds of Brixton, that is... It's just a brilliant venue. I'm sure you... Yeah, I fully, 100% agree uh, with what you said about Brixton Academy. That was the venue of the first gig I ever went to with mates, really? uh, which was Ocean Colour Scene there back in like 95? Fellow... 96, yeah. Uh, Embrace there very early on in my musical gigging career. I've seen so many great bands at Brixton Academy. It's great the way it slopes up. Yeah, so even if you're at the back, you, you still, still see everything. Yeah, yeah. Ocean Colour Scene there from uh, Solly Hall. Um, a couple of the times I went to my old senior school Steve Craddock and stuff uh, probably trivia there for you (laughs) (laughs) so we're holding Brixton calling we've got Brixton Academy booked out so before we talk about your five acts I'm sure as you've said you're a massive music fan and getting it down to five must have been quite a challenge yeah there definitely could have been about ten variations of this just on mood like 
But I, I initially just thought of like, what would I want to see in the realms of, you know, it's fantasy, dead or alive, what could I go and see in such a small, well, I say small, it's still a big mm. venue, but like a tiny little venue and seeing some of my acts in such a small place. And just have a lineup like that, just, you know, reading off five acts that you love. So yeah, I, do, I went with ones potentially that are not around now or versions of that band that are no longer mm. around. So I've broken them up into, you know, very much like era-based right. band. And does that mean that some acts who might be your favourites haven't made it for that reason? And if so, are there any acts who you want to shout out who aren't in your top five but you, but you love and want to want to give a mention to? I could have put Frank Turner in there, but again, yeah, I can see him all the time. Like, this is like work to the realm of fancy. Social Distortion would have been up there. Who else? I'm a big fan of Blackstone Cherry. I've seen them 19 times, but... Wow. But again, wouldn't want to put them into my fantasy lineup. I think there's more. Uh, Led Zeppelin could have been in there. Original Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot that I could have gone through. I could have done a Punk Day. That I really wanted. And, yeah. And, and yeah, it just have been all that. Well, you only get five. So let's uh, crack on then and talk about five. So we'll start with your opening acts so two o'clock Brixton Academy sold out Brixton Corning is done you can be anywhere you like so you can be taking photos at the front you can be chilling in the front row you can be up seated wherever you want two o'clock so who's going to open now this is it ties with my album being played in full as well. oh okay so if you can just picture Brixton Academy yeah uh, just you know this guy walking on stage and then ready to play this album in full so mine would be Jeff Buckley playing Grace in its entirety. I think just a nice mood setter. He's got some mellow tunes, he's got some real rockers. And just being able to see him live would have been incredible. I, I wish I was born about, you know, 20 years prior, I would have managed to see him. And there's, there's such an air around Jeff Buckley, because, you know, he died after his mm. first album, that it's just such a special record when you put it in the context of his life and how he is. And his dad's Tim Buckley, who's incredibly famous for being a singer-songwriter but it just yeah just to see that alive would be brilliant great shout he's been mentioned as I say quite a lot of times we've obviously spoke about the album Grace but kind of what are there any highlights from Grace that you Eternal Life is one of my favourite tunes by him it, it, it's just smack back in the middle of the album and it's so unassuming like it's got quite a rocky start and then it just the bass on it is in huge like it's just incredible that song and then there's Lover Can I Come Over that one uh, Hallelujah I know that's probably the uh, one that everybody would pick yeah. him, but he, he does such a good job of it arguably better than Cohen maybe I don't I've, well it's your fantasy festival uh, yeah I it? feel like that might you know change from Tower Fills that one but <laughs> for me I think he does it really does it justice but I suppose that song's also been ruined by X Factor winners as well, so swings and roundabouts, really. It absolutely is. I, I like the fact that you said like that was one of your first purchases from H and V because it was an album that I had never really known about until I started working on H and V. So many people buy it or bought it when I used to work at in store. Yeah, they, it kind of captures your right, and you end up buying it Honestly, and just listening to it. Yeah, that that was the same with me. I just you, you see it all around, just the sleeve of him with his microphone. And I've, I've read recently he's, it's not a biography, but his manager's released a book about it and it shows all the outtakes that's been taken of that album cover. 
and arguably as a photographer in my photography opinion mm. there's better pictures but that one really does work well as an album cover it's just yeah just it's fantastic I can't, I can't it's hard to express how much that album means to me but it really does mean I, I can listen to it whenever whatever mood it just hits the spot every time great stuff a classic album getting played in full to open your fantasy festival so Jeff Buckley is your opening act he'll play his Grace album he'll play from two till three we'll take a half hour to get our breaths back that'll lead us into half past three and it'll be time for your super seconds act so I mean that's a tough act to follow yeah that, this is why it, the list got rejigged so much <laughs> um, but as a as a person going to a gig I feel like Yes, they could be headliner, but would you like to see them in the middle of the day? This is the sort of thing I was tossing up. So, my second act was Nirvana. Oh, I love it. Big Gun, bought out very early. Yeah, it, I thought, yes, they could be headliner. And I think, yes, they'd be suited for the headline slot. But I think just slotting them in just after Jeff Buckley. It's like a mellow start and then you've got, you know, a real blazing, like, second act. I, in terms of what I've got them to play, anything... Anything from their first three albums, B-sides, just to see them live. Again, like the whole fantasy thing, like I'd love to have seen them. And there's people that I've worked with that have seen them in little clubs in Birmingham. Wow. And I'm so jealous. I think probably one of the, if not one of my favourite acts of all time. They're always, like, you might not listen to them all the time, but they are the pinnacle of my music, like, starting point, if you like. Yeah. So how did you get into Nirvana? Because they, I think I was 12 when Nevermind came out and even I kind of missed them at that point. Was it through listening to another band who kept referencing Nirvana or was it just they were always kind of being mentioned? I think it was just always being mentioned. Nevermind is such an iconic cover mm. and you're like, what the hell is that? Like, what is that album? Just from, you know, the baby on the front and you're like, what is that? And then I think a lot of my musical interests came from Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters, you know, right. the games. That's very. They've formed a lot of my musical listening. Yeah. Um. So, like bands like Goldfinger, Nirvana was on there. The White Stripes, Bad Religion, Ramones. They've all formed sort of from a young age. Have formed my musical listening, and I've just grown from there really. So you, you know, if you find Bad Religion, then you'll find out that they listen. Nirvana listened mm. to Bad Religion and stuff like that, and then Mud Honey, and you just develop. From one starting point and just keep going. Yeah, that's pretty brilliant. Great shout, Nirvana. Take your super seconds act. They get to play for an hour. They'll play from half three to half four. So a great opening two acts. We'll get our breath back and invite your midway madness act. To come on from five till six. So Nick, two acts down. We've got three acts left. So who's going to take your midway madness slot? Who are you going to have? Now this is where I was going. I want a specific time of band like. So I've picked Green Day, but specifically Woodstock 94, you know, the Mudfest, yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, I recently got gifted it by my girlfriend on vinyl. Uh, it was incredibly rare. <laughs> like, that was one of my white whales. And I think it came from, like, Latvia or something. Like, it was, yeah, one of the white whales. And it's just incredible. Just the energy. And it's just before they broke as a band. It's just yeah, you can just feel the energy of that gig, and it's you can see on videos and stuff. It's just there's about I think there's about ten tracks of them actually playing, and then there's about a ten minute period of them just having a mud fight, and then they're led off the stage after they've had the mud fight. <laughs> but it's just that energy and that 
raw of, of a band just on the cusp of going ginormous. It, it's just unbelievable. I'd have loved to have been there just to see a band just on the way up. So they're playing, are they basically playing Dookie? For the most part, think, or most of that, without it being as well known as what it. Yeah, it'd have been just as Dookie come out. I think Dookie had, I don't think it had the meteoric rise as yeah. it is now. I think that's the turning point that gig, in terms of the gig just going, and their popularity going global sort of thing. So no American Idiot, that doesn't. As well, arguably American Idiot should be the album for me because that was sort of the album that came out when I rediscovered Green Day, like two thousand and. Four, is it five something like that American yeah. but just to see that energy and then being like they're not multi-millionaires at this point they're just lads from Oakland California playing the balls off so that I've just yeah that energy yeah I can't I can't <laughs> any better than that just 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 listening to it and just hearing them as a three piece and they're all locked in and blasting through Dookie just incredible out of this world Brilliant. Now I've only seen Green Day once, I believe, and I think it was at my first festival. And believe it or not, this was when Nimrod came out, and they weren't high up on the bill at all. They played V ninety nine, I think it was. Really. Headlined by the Verve. Pre-headline act was Seahorses. Oh, okay. Seahorses above Green Day, and I'm pretty sure Iggy Pop was on after Green Day, so they were like fourth on the bill. Well, they had a weird lull. Didn't they? Like yeah. their, their height of the nineties, like ninety four to well ninety three to like ninety five, ninety six, after Insomniac came out, and then there's just a big lull. Like their albums between them, like Nimrod, um Insomniac. No, Insomniac's after Dookie, there's Nimrod. Oh god, I can't remember. But that, there's that period where the albums are which well, one of them's got good uh, good riddance, time of your life, yeah. So that's one argument of their biggest hits, yeah, but it's just a big lull and then they come out with American Idiot at the early Blows up. yeah and then they get their second win second coming of like global style and like, I think even though Dookie sold more uh, American Idiot is the one that catapulted them to like you know yeah. stadium level stadium and they're just a constant stadium level band now aren't they yeah yeah it seemed like a great live act I remember having a good time and all their fans had balloons I remember when they came on all these balloons went up from, from like their fans and it was a great yeah really good gig yeah, because their latest album's called Father of All Motherfuckers, and it's very true in terms of how they've influenced so many younger bands. Like, you wouldn't have My Chemical Romance, you wouldn't have Some 41, just any, any pop-punk act owes something to Green Day in just forming a path for them to build that type of music. Um, it's just, yeah, like, like I said, with Father of All Motherfuckers, it makes sense. They are. Yeah, it's a good title. Yeah. <laughs> so Green Day make their fantastical debut I believe I don't think they've ever been picked before really? so well done picking Green Day they'll play from 5 till 6 so 3 acts down a very strong first 3 acts got 2 acts left to go so next up your pre-headline act we're going to get an hour and a half to play at Brixton Calling they're going to play from half 6 till 8 o'clock so who are you going to have Nick? It's again the 90s and we've got the grunge theme continuing uh, I'm going to go with Pearl Jam Oh, Pearl Jam. So tell us why Pearl Jam are your are your pre-headline act. Like you said with the Rowley guessing the act, I assume you'll guess that one. Because the amount of conversations we had about Pearl Jam when we used to work in store. Because I don't say, I don't even watch High Fidelity, but they do a top five for everything. Me and him used to do all day long top fives <laughs> everything. Like, 
What's your top five B-sides of Pearl Jam? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top five singles of Pearl Jam from the 95 to 96. Or like, and then you get really interesting ones like top five Morgan Freeman films or Tom Cruise. Like, get really like difficult ones and just weird ones. But yeah, Pearl Jam, are just, they're one band that's just a staple in my music canon, so to speak. It's just... They don't have a bad album and... 10 is that like most people's starting point mm. but if you really go into their catalogue I would there's arguably better albums and more for well formed albums like for instance I was going to put Pearl Jam in the 90s but you'd lose so much catalogue and so many good songs so mm. I, just, I left them as you know 2021 Pearl Jam where they're stadium level they're all mature middle aged men now but they've got such a, a, a catalogue and such a set list because I think Yield is one of my favourite albums by them and, and mm. I'd love to see some tracks off of that like Low Light Given to Fly and stuff like that just top top class I was going to say is there, any, is there any kind of tracks you'd have them play so a few off Yield a few off Yield Backspacer, Backspacer has The Fixer which is a wicked song um, the Avocado album is one of my favourite I don't know if it's the self-titled one but it's got this it's got the blue cover with the uh, Avocado, avocado yeah, yeah. That's got some absolutely like big wave. There's some real big tunes on that. That's what I said. Like if I had them as nineties, you've only get ten. And if you go and see them live, they're gonna do yeah. you know even flow alive black. But yeah, it's just the catalogue behind them, incredible. I'm presuming you've seen them a couple of times. Only once. Uh, I was meant to see them at Hyde Park this year, where they right. had idols supporting, and obviously you know because of COVID, everything. Yeah. Drop down, so they are coming back next year. So I'm hopefully gonna rebuy the tickets, but I thought I'd get a refund on it at the time being because you know you've got a year of no yeah. like just you know holdings of them by ninety pounds. But yeah, I've seen them once and I saw them at Milton Keynes Bowl, and I've discovered two acts from that just supporting them that I really really love now. A band called Off, which has Keith Morris who used to be in um, Circle Jerks and Black Flag. Okay. So original like 80s 70s yeah. 80s punk bands their band opened and Eddie Vedder introduced them because he's a big fan of them and then they had uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club come out as well and I absolutely adore them now like they're so good which I'm very excited for the Love Record Store Day thing they've got a oh they have yeah got a limited edition vinyl which I'm going to be getting or trying to get anyway see how busy the website gets but yeah it, they played for five hours Pearl Jam, which <laughs> yeah, my little again little brother um took that one to, took him to the gig, and he whinged like he got to the to to be fair to him though he got to the two and a half hour mark, and he was just yeah we're done yet yeah he's like oh, can we call it a day again he's like fourteen fifteen at this time yeah. and he stood there it was like ten o'clock at night he stood there with my sunglasses only going to take them off no <laughs> just moaning at me the whole time like they'll be done in a bit and then we. Then we got had an argument with a police officer, which was fun, walking back out of the stadium. Because it was such a big queue to get into the stadium, uh, not in the stadium, to the train station to get home. Just filtering people out. And the police officer was like, well, if you're stuck, you're stuck. I was like, like, what do you mean? Like, what am I going to do if I'm stuck? Like, that's useless. And like, yeah, just have a little tit for tat with a police officer. As um, you do when you see Pearl Jam. Yeah. But they, yeah, they played for... Four or five hours they had uh, Danny Harrison, George Harrison's son, come out. All right. Uh, Simon Townsend's, uh, Pete Townsend's brother, come out. 
and do a couple of tracks but they just kept going and going and going and it, the only thing that's rivaled that was Springsteen at the Etihad which did he did the river in total and he did his hits as well which he did I think just about four hours something like that so but it was a lot like you're stood on your legs for that long with 90,000 other people you're like <laughs> as much as I love to hear five hours of poetry I'm like can we wrap up that's a big commitment yeah you're like alright play alive and can we call it a night now <laughs> great stuff so Pearl Jam don't get five hours they're going to get an hour and a half yeah thank god yeah thank god they are your pre-headline act playing from half six to eight o'clock so four acts down one act left so your headline act who are going to play from half eight to eleven going to get two and a half hours left to play so, Mr. Allen, who's going to headline Brixton Calling? So, just, again, in my head with this fantasy thing, um, just to see them in such a tiny venue would be incredible. And this band means so much to me. They're, I think it was drilled into me by my dad from the womb. Uh, but it's The Who. Is, which it, it, It's just a band that's followed me around since I was little. My dad's a huge fan. They were the first gig I ever went to. Yeah, I just got that band holds a lot of memories with my dad and everyone in that just for that band and just to see them at any point would be incredible. Arguably I'd like to see them with John Everett and Keith Moon, the original four, which I'm very jealous of my dad who's managed to see them. He saw them at Charlton Football Ground with the original lineup. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he was deaf for about two weeks afterwards, but like yeah. I think if I was gonna put it for the Who for my headliner, I'd have them as the original four at any point from the 60s to the 80s as a four piece just to see them in their, all their glory but having said that even now in 2021 they're still fantastic live band with mm. Zach Stark on drums yeah um, and Pina Palladino on bass which is the quintessential session musicians who plays with John Mayer and uh, yeah who DLC play for we play for I mean, Chicken Grease is it D'Angelo Okay. Yeah. D'Angelo. Yeah, he was the that album that he made. It was, he was the quintessential like crooks for that album, like the bass lines and stuff. He made that album, Join All Us, which I can't remember the name of for the life of me. Are there any tracks that might not be so obvious that you would want to hear them play? Obviously, they're going to play My Generation and Substitute and Won't Get Fooled Again. Is there, are there any that stand out for you that might not be as well known as those tracks? Yeah, there's one that I'd love to see and I think they've probably performed it about once in the last 15 years. But it's off um, Odds and Sods, which is just, you know, rarities and B-sides. It's a song called Naked Eye, which it's just, it's a real jam. They they, they do 15-minute versions of it and wow. it's just, it's usually just very very mellow song, but Naked Eye is up there. I think, what else? Love Rain Over Me is... Off Quadrophenia, yeah, that's great cool. track. Yeah, yeah, and they do that a lot though. So, but that's probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, which is why it's a tattoo idea I want to get is um, from that album, that uh, song and stuff. Yeah, brilliant stuff. So, the Who headline Brixton calling, they get two and a half hours, and then once we get to 11 o'clock, they're going to invite Pearl Jam, Green Day. Nirvana and Jeff Buckley back on stage and they get to play any one song of your choosing as your encore to close your fantasy festival. I'm guessing this is probably has been quite a dilemma for you. It has, but I did take it from uh, the ilk of Pearl Jam do do a version of this song and I just think that it would just sound it it's just such a 
an all-encompassing song that I think everybody could just get on and jam and you know, vibe along to it. So it is Neil Young's Rocking in the Free World. <laughs> Great track. I was, I was trying to between that or Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends. But I thought, just keep the rock going and keep it, you know, heavy. And I've seen Pearl Jam do a version of this and Eddie sounds fantastic on it. So I'd imagine that they all just, you know, yeah. if you can just picture it in Crickson Academy, that incredible I can imagine that'd be great so rocking in the free world is your encore that'll close your fantasy festival so before we look at fantasy festival in I mentioned at the top of the podcast I had John Rowley speak to me he'd done alright all five all five of his names have been mentioned in some capacity he got two out of five so he got Jeff Buckley and he got Green Day didn't get Pearl Jam though which surprised me based on what you've said so he said Blackstone Cherry who you mentioned earlier in the podcast he said Frank Turner who I thought you might pick based on it was Louise was saying this to me like why have you not picked Frank Turner as there's like 15 posters around my flat like with um so I, I've seen him that many times yeah. and it's he's amazing but I could see him any time like if you were going to pick the ultimate fantasy yeah. festival would you pick one that you can see they tour all the time you'd want you know the ones that are no longer with us or the version of the band that are no longer with you so that was it that was the reasoning behind that one great shout and his fifth actor who he chose who you mentioned just before you start talking about your headline act it's Bruce Springsteen he thought you would pick so two out of five for Mr Rowley that isn't bad whatsoever and you spoke about all the acts so I think he's done alright yeah then. he knows me quite well he knows, knows yeah. <laughs> we, but like I said we spent I worked with him for about five years like we just that's all we did was talk about that I think when I worked in customer service Laura had to move us apart because we didn't shut up about like <laughs> That's brilliant. So let's lock in your fantasy festival then. You can still change your mind up until the point where it's locked in. So we've got Brixton Calling taking place at Brixton Academy. Opening your fantasy festival is Jeff Buckley. And he's going to play Grace in its entirety. Super Seconds Act, we've got Nirvana. Midway Madness, we've got Green Day from 1994. From the Woodstock era. Pre-headline act slot, we've got Pearl Jam and headlining your fantasy festival where you've got The Who with the original four members. And for your encore, they're all going to play Neil Young's Rocking in the Free World. Mr. Allen, are you locking that into the vault? Oh, are you I happy with that one? Yeah, I'm definitely locking that one in, yeah. Brilliant. That Final is... answer, Steve. <laughs> Amazing. What a fantasy festival. And that is it then for the 62nd episode. If you've enjoyed this one and you're listening for the first time on iTunes why don't you subscribe give the podcast a review or give us a follow on Spotify or Anchor and don't forget to recommend this to all of your friends and families and if you're on social media we are too we are on Twitter at FantasticalP and if you're not you can also email us at FantasticalPodcast at Outlook.com I'd love to hear from you and I say it every week we can't play music on podcasts which is quite unfortunate really but I'll get some tracks from Nick and we'll make a nice Spotify playlist and that will be in your episode description as you're listening so scroll down on your episode description and you'll see Nick's fantastical Spotify playlist there so mate huge thank you um, from myself to you it's like you had good fun with it you've got your notepad I know you this, thinking was, about it. this was this morning I was just jotting things down like got my uh, gig tickets out but I've, I've been waiting to be asked on this, this podcast because I really do enjoy it 
and you know, it's nice to talk to a fellow uh, f- uh, music nerd as well. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. If anyone's listening, wait for me to ask. Don't wait for me to ask. If you are listening and fancy it, please get in contact. Drop me uh, an email or a DM because, you know, the more the merrier. I've got some very exciting guests um, coming up in the next few months. Not just music acts, but people who, you know, I'm really excited um, to listen to. But thanks again for coming in. You've been a wonderful guest. Thanks for having me, Steve. A wonderful five acts. And I'll be back soon with episode number 63. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe, my fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.